Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you are a prop better in the NFL, this hour is for you. What's good, everybody? Welcome in to the Early Edge and our prop spectacular that we do every single Friday during the NFL season at 4 p.m. Eastern time. And so many of you out there, you want to rep the early edge. You want to shout it from the rooftops. Well, guess what? For the entire NFL season, we're giving you 20% off our early edge merch. If you are watching currently on YouTube, just take that QR code, put your phone up there, take it. It will take you directly to our early edge store. And we want to see as many pictures on social media as possible. Now, let's recap how my boys did a week ago. And as always, solid as a rock. Look at that. Four and one for my man, Prop Stars. Three and two for Uncle Dave. You put that together. That's seven and three. That's a 70% clip. That is awesome. Now, how do we get better than that? How do we do more? (laughs) I'm so glad you asked. Let's bring in the stars of the show. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we are going four wide this week. And with all due respect to Dave and to Prop Stars, we have got to welcome the man that I call the best-looking man in the early-edge universe. See you in the shot. Welcome to the Prop Spectacular. I'm super happy to be here, and I'm super happy to be back with you guys. Dave, Prop Stars coach, uh, it feels like home. It's football season. I, I, I can't ask for anything more on a Friday other than maybe going four for four on my picks, unless I come up with another one during this show, in which case, of course, I'll go five for five. I've got a lot of respect for that take, although if this is the highlight of your week, we got to work on your life. However, <laughs> up next, you can see him every single episode almost. And he may or of fantasy football today, and he may or may not have ever done yoga with DDP. Uncle Dave Richard, good afternoon, sir. Oh, it's not yoga. It's DDP yoga. And believe me, <laughs> I've got the bruises on my neck <laughs> to prove it. And yes, I went three and two last week, and I missed four and one by a drop by Gerald Everett. I'm four yards away from Justin Herbert. I'm still bitter, but one of the props was plus 150. So I think I might have gone three and two, but I think you made like three and a half units off me in the picks last week. And there were so many picks I loved this week. It's rare for me to love a lot of picks, but I've I've got a lot of good stuff and maybe some extras that I'll just give a little sprinkle to. Oh, I love when you I love when you sprinkle stuff. Now, full disclosure. Because we're all about transparency here at the Early Edge. I always, I never tell my guys what to pick, but I say limits. He sent in 10 picks today. I said, Dave, I can only take five. I can only take five. So the ones he likes today, he loves because he had to narrow it down. Yeah. Now, this man lives in the lab. And everybody keeps asking, where can I find him? Where does he live? I say there's a reason. I say live. From parts unknown. Prop stars. Welcome back to your show, sir. Coach, what's good? Great to see Dave. See ya. Love you, buddy. This is like when we go four wide, I'm going to call it the four horsemen. We've got the wrestling theme today. (laughs) I'm rocking the NWO shirt. You know, that's for life, coach. It's such a pleasure for me as a lifelong wrestling fan to get to work with coach and then to hear Dave's story that that he told before we went on air was just so cool. So yeah, props and wrestling, nothing beats them. You know, maybe one of these days we'll launch a show where we just talk about the stories that we talk about leading to our prop bets because I think the process is as fascinating as the end result. By the way, because of you wore that, 
This is one of my old shirts I made for myself when I was back in the, and it still fits like a glove. All right, now let's get into it. Let's get into it. And because I respect our newcomers, it's not like he hasn't been on the show before, but he wasn't on last week. So see ya. Let's start with a game that a lot of people are talking about, and I'm not being facetious, and I'm not joking around. Detroit was a sexy pick prior to the season for a lot of people. They're on hard knocks. It's hard not to love Dan Campbell as a head coach. They're welcoming the Washington Commanders, who had a comeback victory last week. The place was rocket in Washington, but this is about props. Start us off. Yeah, well, you can see Santana Moss behind me holding up the 21 for – uh, maybe, the, in my opinion, one of the best safeties of all time. Of course, that's Sean Taylor. But this game is going to be really interesting. And I'm actually on somebody on the other side of the ball. So no homerism here. It's Amon Ross St. Brown over 61 and a half receiving yards. So last week, he caught 8 of 12 targets for 64 yards. That's in the general area of w- where we want to be, of course. But from a yardage standpoint, because you might be thinking, okay, well, why don't I go for the receptions, which is 6 and a half? I don't love that as much as the yardage. So he had 64 last week. But let's just talk about what he he's done over his last six or seven games his last six games of 2021 he was Jared Goff's guy and what did that translate to 86 total yards 73 90 91 111 and 109 so over his last seven games he has exceeded this receiving yards total and I don't see any reason in a 48 and a half point total in a back and forth where clearly Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be the primary receiver for Jared Goff. I don't see a reason he doesn't eclipse this yet another time. Oh, by the way, the Washington secondary, it's not great. It can absolutely get exposed through the air, even with a guy like Jared Goff. So uh, I like Amon Ross St. Brown. I think I like his receptions prop okay, but I certainly like the receiving yards more. That's what I'm going to be betting over 61 and a half yards. It's a great opportunity for that because we have Detroit who has a really good offense and Washington, they gave up 22, 22 to Jacksonville a week ago. Now, Alex, I'm coming to you because you're going to go on the other side of the fence with not one, but two props that you love. Talk to me. Two props from this game. I'm with C. I think he hit the nail on the head. This is an excellent game for props. Has big-time shootout potential. Two very good offenses. Two very uh, below-average defenses. First up, we've got Carson Wentz. Over 238.5 passing yards. In his commander's debut, he fired off 41 passes. Finished with 313 yards, four touchdowns through the air, including a game-winning 24-yard touchdown to Jahan Dotson. Week two matchup, as I mentioned, the Lions are soft as that week one matchup against Jacksonville, in my opinion. Lions were 31st in adjusted sack rate last season. Finished dead last in pro football focus pass rush grades in week one against the Eagles as well. We also saw the Eagles score nearly 40 points against this Detroit defense. Had nearly 500 total yards of offense coach. Basically did whatever they wanted to against Detroit. I think this one has big-time shootout potential. As I mentioned, uh, 49-point totals, actually the second highest on Sunday's slate as well. Wentz has a ton of weapons at his disposal uh, compared to last year where it was basically Michael Pittman and a bunch of Jags, a.k.a. just (laughs) other guys. But, yeah, looking at Terry McLaurin, rookie Jahan Jahan Dotson, who we were on last week, Logan uh, Thomas looked healthy, Antonio Gibson was catching a ton of passes, heavily involved as a receiver, which is something we forget because he played receiver in college. J.D. McKissick, he's a pass-catching specialist. And then, Coach, don't forget about this guy, Curtis Samuel, which is the perfect segue into my next pick. That is Curtis Samuel, over three and a half receptions, willing to take on some juice here. I was extremely impressed with Curtis Samuel last week. He finished with a team high, 11 targets, eight catches, five rushing attempts, was the focal point of that commander offense. This was not a fluke in my opinion, and this was certainly by design. People forget that not only is this guy a favorite of Ron Rivera dating back to their days together on the Panthers, but he signed a three-year, $34.5 million contract last offseason, only to see 84 offensive snaps last season in five games, injury-plagued throughout the year, but he certainly looked fully healthy to me in week one. He played 71% of the snaps, ran 36 routes, which was only third to Terry McLaurin's 42 and Jahan Dotson's 40. Detroit was 27th in passing DVOA last season. They let A.J. Brown just go absolutely nuts and did whatever he wanted to last week. Uh, Also, something I like about Samuel, he has a very shallow A dot average depth of target. 
that may not mean a lot as far as uh, racking up yards is concerned. But if you're looking at just purely receptions, that's very good because there's just a high success rate the closer the A dot is to the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah, he just looked extremely explosive out of the backfield, made a huge impact. I think this game's going to be a shootout. I think he's going to get a ton of targets. Also, one last take on this. People were saying that Curtis Samuel is Debo Samuel light after last week because he was obviously making plays in both rushing and receiving. Debo Samuel is Curtis Samuel light because Curtis Samuel was doing this back in Carolina where he was a Swiss <laughs> Army knife. That was getting a ton of rushing attempts and passing attempts. So, yeah, careful, Debo truthers. He <laughs> is Curtis Samuel light, not the other way around. All right, Dave, go. Uh, there's there's plenty of Samuels to go around. Alex mentioned it. He had a 26.8% target share last week. To give you an idea, 20% is good. This is 27%. And the, the commanders don't necessarily have a run game that they trust. This is how they've made up for it by throwing a lot of these short passes. And his A dot, Alex mentioned it, it's one yard. It's literally like one yard past the line of scrimmage. But he's going to get those catches considerably. The Lions allowed a 56% catch rate on passes that traveled nine yards or fewer last week. Okay, that's bad. That's that's a pretty good rate. But nine of the 15 completions they allowed went for 10-plus yards. Samuel's going to be great for fantasy. This prop is amazing. The juice is worth the squeeze, Coach. Curtis <laughs> Samuel on those receptions. All right, a couple of questions, and I need these answers quick. Quick. See ya. Your number in a lot of books in the chat, 64 and a half. How, how, how high? Because it's moving. As you said, it was moving. How high would you play it to? Yeah, I would play it to 64 and a half, actually. I don't know that I'd play it any higher than that. So if you get it at 64 and a half right now, I'm, I'm all about it. Honestly, I, I maybe 65 and a half. I, again, with the shootout potential here and, and him being just so good over his last seven games, I think maybe 65, 65 and a half is where I would stop. Okay. Alex, uh, in the chat, they're saying that in some books, uh, your path, they, they got the receptions locked in at three and a half. That's still there. Uh, the passing yards is at around 242 now. How high? Would yeah, you yeah. Go you up good? to 249. All right. All right, bang that right now. Be, get it in before it keeps moving. All right, we got to move on to our next game. And last night, Dave had so many people that were like, "Coach, I need a field goal prop. Where's AB?" And I was like, <laughs> "Easy, easy. Let's just wait till tomorrow." Well, tomorrow has arrived, and the Patriots—they're going to arrive in Pittsburgh tomorrow. The Steelers are one and zero. The Patriots are zero and one. What prop did you find in this game that you love? We're taking Chris Boswell over one and a half field goals at plus 123. So the number one reason why I'm taking it is the odds. A good amount of the time, the over on field goals is a negative number. It's never too high of a negative number, but in this case, it's positive. And I think the Patriots defense is pretty good. And I think that the Steelers offense isn't that great. And that's usually a recipe for offenses to stall in the red zone, just outside of the red zone and give those field goal opportunities to opposing teams. I kind of liked it for Jason Sanders last week against the Patriots under the same premise, and I believe it hit. So now there's a chance for this one to hit as well. Uh, I, I don't know how many points the Steelers are going to score. It might be in the neighborhood of, of uh, 20. But two field goals is 20 points, and I think that Chris Boswell can get there. So Boswell over one and a half field goals at plus 123 at Caesars. I love this play, and the reason I love it, Dave, is because you know – that Mike Tomlin is going to be ultra conservative. He just wants to win games. And what happens when you're at the 30 and it's fourth and one? You don't go for it. You kick field goals. Sure. And there's one other point. Yeah. I don't think the Patriots are going to put up a lot of points. So right. it, it literally might take 20 points from the Steelers to pull this one out. Their defense doesn't have TJ Watt, but I think they'll still be strong enough to mess with Mac Jones. And this Patriots offense is a pretty big mess. Boom. Boom. I love it. All right. So we got our field goal prop. So you field goal betters. You're happy. Is. You're happy now. All right. Moving on, Alex. I'm coming back to you. Jets and the Browns. Interesting matchup this week on paper. The Browns, well, they ruined the Baker Mayfield party last week with Jacoby Brissett leading that team to a victory over the Panthers. They're now laying six and a half at home. Totals 39 and a half against the Jets. And you like a combo number for one of the two-headed monster that is the Browns backfield. What do you like? 
Yeah, I like Kareem Hunt over 58 and a half combined rushing and receiving yards. I just love me some Kareem Hunt this week in general. I like all of his lines, whether it's his rushing line that's at 36 and a half, his longest rush, which is over 12 and a half, I believe. And obviously this combo line over 58 and a half being my personal favorite. Uh, listen, Kareem Hunt was phenomenal last week. He handled 15 touches, turned them into 71 yards and two touchdowns against the Panthers. He's eclipsed this line in six of his last eight appearances. Uh, dating back to last season and excuse me, seven of his last nine appearances dating back to last season and every single game coach that he's had at least double digit touches. He averaged 87 scrimmage yards per game last year uh, in games that he had double digit touchdown, excuse me, touches his rushing attempt line this week is projected at eight and a half with heavy juice to the over. So I think that's an excellent, excellent projection that he's going to handle double digit touches against the Jets. Uh, Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. He's going to lean heavily on this backfield. That's what we saw in week one. They possess two elite running backs, and they have the best run blocking line in all of football. Brissett also loves targeting his running backs, which is why I prefer this combo line and why it's my favorite line out of all of these. Uh, last week, Kareem had four targets, which he turned into four receptions for 24 yards. Last season, the Jets surrendered the second most receiving yards to opposing running backs as well, which is an additional reason that I'm attacking the combo line. And yeah, the Jets run defense actually held up pretty well against a depleted Ravens running game that really couldn't get anything going with the corpse of Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis. But I think Kareem Hunt is an elite running back. He's got arguably the best offensive line in football. He's going to be heavily featured because this guy is just electric with the football in his hands. People are forgetting about how good this guy is because he shares the backfield with Nick Chubb. Love Kareem Hunt. Love all of his props particular in particular 68 or excuse me 58 and a half rushing plus receiving yards coach all right i love the combo props it kind of makes it uh almost like you're backing up one of the two because people ask all the time why not play one or the other he just explained why we don't see a real quick chat question quarterrell patterson over 17 and a half receiving yards minus 110 I actually kind of like that. I mean, I don't have a play on Corderell this week, but uh, yeah, I think that's a good play. They're going to be using Patterson a ton, obviously in the backfield a lot too. I don't think Damian Williams is going to play, but um, yeah, I like that. I think 17 and a half he could get in, in just a couple of um, a couple of receptions. So I, I don't mind that at all. I do want to point out, by the way, with respect to the Amon Ross St. Brown, I checked all of the the books onshore, if you will. All of them have it at, at the Amon Ross St. Brown uh, receiving yards at 62 and a half or 61 and a half. The only one that doesn't is points bet at 65 and a half. I know everyone can't shop their lines. I totally get that. But I just want to point out that BetMGM, Caesars, DraftKings, they all have it at 62 and a half. There you go. And that's what we do. We do the work for you. I say it all the time. I said, we can't, we can only lead you to the water. We can't help you drink. Well, apparently Sia can help you drink too. Apparently he can. All right, moving on, and I see a couple of you have questions in the chat. We'll write them down. We'll get to them as, as soon as I can, I promise. Now, Dolphins and Ravens. This is a game that's getting a lot of interest this week, Dave, because how good is Tua really? How good are the Ravens and the contractless Lamar Jacksons really? Well, there's a player that changed addresses that you are pinpointing this week. Who am I talking about? You're talking about Chase Edmonds, coach. And this is an interesting player prop at over three and a half receptions, and they're giving you odds at plus 129. And I, I feel like it's a little bit of a trap, so I kind of want to run it past Proppy and Sia and you, coach, to see if you guys agree with my rationale on it. First okay. of all, four catches last week, four targets last week, definitely a airback, a guy who's great in passing situations. He's always been that way, and I think it's a staple of this Dolphins offense to have a running back who can catch balls out of the backfield, and they don't necessarily have a running back that's one of those beasts between the tackles. They don't have a Derrick Henry. They don't have a Leonard Fournette. Uh, they, they don't even have – they don't have Sony Michelle anymore. He could have been that guy this year. They don't really have it. So if they're have playing with a lead in this game and they've got to grind down the clock, I think it could lead to some receptions for Chase Edmonds even then. But if they're playing from behind, against the Ravens, then Edmonds is going to be the one on the field and he can continue to pick up passes. Last week, the Jets had 19 targets to their running backs. I kind of want to get into that number a little bit. The majority of those targets, and I'm talking overwhelming majority, was Joe Flacco in self-preservation mode, trying to get rid of the ball as fast as he could. He did not want to get hit. Old quarterbacks hate getting hit. 
By the way, young quarterbacks. Young quarterbacks hate getting hit, too. <laughs> I was gonna say, but old was quarterbacks gonna... really want to get rid of that ball. But they had three catches that were on design targets, meaning the running back was the first reader. Mm-hmm. And they got 29 yards on those against the Ravens. So that's over nine yards per catch. I think the Dolphins will see that. I think they already know that they can throw to their running back out of the backfield. I think the Ravens will be specifically sensitive to giving up the big play because their cornerbacks are all beat up. And so people might run toward Tyreek Hill's overs and Jalen Waddle's overs. Uh-uh. This is the over, over three and a half receptions, because you're getting it at plus 129. It's a beautiful prop. I think Edmonds hits. I think he could get six catches in this game. Everybody should love it, and he's a good flex in fantasy in PPR leagues too. 15 seconds. Alex, your take on this play. I, I like it quite a bit. I told Dave before we jumped on the air. Uh, yeah, Waddle has a low A dot in general. Very good at targeting underneath routes. I think uh, Edmonds is going to be heavily featured in the short passing game like this quite a bit. See ya. Yeah, I certainly get the rationale with with the secondary kind of playing safe against those two prolific receivers. You know, Tua goes to his first read, it's taken away, and you dump it yep. off to Chase Edmonds, who you know is a reliable target. I get it. Yeah, Alex. Coach, I just wanted to mention real quick, as far as the Curtis Samuel prop is concerned, it's currently minus 120 on MGM. So if you uh, have multiple options or you have access to MGM, please check there first. Yeah, and good news on Dave's Boswell as well. That's gone up to plus 136 at Caesars currently. So good news for that. I love that. I also love it when uh, you're both teams to score in the 94th minute when you're watching live while you're doing another show hits. That is nice. That is nice. I love soccer betting buckets. Thank you very much. Now, we've got to move on to our next game. And believe me, I'm writing down the questions in the chat. We'll get to, we're going to do a kind of thing at the end where we just kind of go speed round. That's something I, I just want to try and see how it works. Yeah. I don't know if this crew can do a speed round, but we're going to try. We're going to try. So the next game, and oh, two of our OGs are on this one Colts on the road at the Jags. Now, boys, the last time we saw this particular matchup, All the Colts had to do was win the game and they're into the playoffs. But alas, they couldn't do it. But this is another year and the Colts start off with a tie. The Jags blow a lead late, pretty on par for them. Total of 45, Colts laying three. Alex, let me come to you because a lot of people are still high on this Jacksonville team. But there's one player that you're high on for this week. Who is it? I am. That's Zay Jones, and he's one of Sia's guys, actually. I have fond memories of last season, late into the year. Sia calling Zay Jones props a few times, I believe. I think including the playoffs as well. I've actually come around on Zay Jones. I actually think he's a very solid all-around wide receiver. Initially, when the Jags handed him a three-year, $24 million contract, I thought it was a huge overspend. After watching week one and just going back and watching some previous footage of him, I think Zay has actually emerged into a very solid wide receiver i uh, finished second on the team last week in targets and narrowly missed a touchdown in the second quarter he's also the team's best run blocking wide receiver so he's going to be on the field a ton he's caught four or more passes in seven straight games dating back to last season that includes a postseason game as well this guy gets open also has a low a dot which lends well towards reception props as well playing in an offense without a dominant alpha wide receiver one as well so i think his target distribution is fairly safe i think he's got a pretty high target floor in this offense furthermore the colts are a pretty soft matchup they finish uh 22nd in passing dvoa in week one they finished 17th last season kenny moore hasn't practiced this week after sustaining an injury in practice on the injury report may not plays he was uh the colts top rated corner last year according to PFF so could add to the matchup a little bit so yeah I love Zay Jones over three and a half receptions so that's a Jones that we love but there's a Jones Dave that you don't love so much in this game who is it we're jonesing to get this information (laughs) it's Marvin Jones who I don't know what his a dot is I don't care I know that he's slow and he's old and he's at best the number four pass catcher for Trevor Lawrence in a game that I expect to have a really slow pace. We know that the Colts are dealing with injuries now on both sides of the ball. And I think we might see Indianapolis try and slow it down when they've got the ball. But I think Jacksonville is going to try and slow it down when they have it too. We know that Shaquille Leonard out for the Colts. Like I said, they're beat up. Kenny Moore might not play. He's their slot corner. And so Marvin Jones might not get a lot of opportunities to make catches. All I care about is that he doesn't catch a pass longer 
than 19 yards. We're taking the under on that, under 18 and a half yards as the longest catch for Marvin Jones, minus 109 at Caesars. Only eight routes last week he ran that went even 11 plus yards. So kind of a short area target. Maybe we do know his A dot. And only 14 catches last year were over this amount. That means that 19% of his catches were more than 19 yards. I'm going to do some quick math in my head. 81% of his catches did not go 19 yards, which means you're betting on something that's not a sure thing, but four out of five times when he catches the football, it's short. And this matchup is tough on the outside for wide receivers in Jacksonville. Stephon Gilmore, one of the best shutdown corners. He was the best rated cornerback last year on the Indianapolis defense. He just didn't play in Indianapolis's defense last year, but he's there now. He might get matched up against Marvin Jones, and that'll make Trevor Lawrence do one of these where he doesn't <laughs> want to throw at Marvin Jones, and that's cool. Or he can throw at Marvin Jones and just make sure Marvin Jones falls down after five yards, eight yards, 12 yards, 17 yards. It's all good. He's not going to get a big play because he's old. Marvin Jones, under 18 and a half yards, longest catch, minus 109. <laughs> these are always the scariest plays, aren't they? You can yes. go 58 minutes. And you're looking good. Seven-yard reception is all he had. And all of a sudden, there comes that prevent defense. Oh, no. Over the middle, wide open. But I like this play a lot. I like both of them. Now, we've got a lot more to get to. If you have a prop question you would like us to get to, go ahead and throw it into the chat. We're going to do a little speed round at the end of the show. But you know we are backed by the best network in all of sports, and I'm talking about CBS, and I love the NFL on CBS. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season, and so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here, and this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We love Sundays. We love Fridays. Don't forget, Prop Stars has his own brand new show on Twitter spaces. Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Think radio for props. That's what it is. The man was born for Twitter spaces. For some reason, I got to host it with him. I don't know, but I'm I'm here for it. I am here for it. All right, we got to continue to move on. If you're just joining us, we are crossing the bottom of the hour. It's about 1.30 here in the West, 4.30 on the East Coast. This is our Prop Spectacular here at the Early Edge with Prop Star Sia and Dave from Fantasy Football Today. Sia, I'm coming to you because this is a game – I honestly don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what the game script is going to be. The Seahawks shocked the world because Denver doesn't know what they're doing. But they only managed three points in the second half. They're traveling to a San Francisco team that looked great going up 10-0 and then could not score again in rain and bad weather and new turf and all of it. But when I look at your plays, I like them. I like them a lot, and they're very San Francisco heavy, so I assume you think the 49ers will bounce back from last week. The floor is yours. Yeah, I mean, for one, I just don't think last week is a good representation, whether it was the 49ers or anyone else. Frankly, I don't know that it's a good represent representation of what the Bears are either. When you play in those conditions, especially what we saw in the second half, I think it's really unfair to peg a reputation on, on Trey Lance. He hasn't started a lot of games. For all intents and purposes, I don't think he started a game last week, at least not statistically. I'm going to be looking at him this week forward. So uh, one, I don't have any Trey Lance props, but I'll, I'll say – um, two of them here that I, I really like, actually. Anytime touchdown Debo Samuel. Normally, for those of you that watched me last year on the early edge, I'm not an anytime touchdown guy. I'm really not. But I really like Debo's position here because we know that the targets are going to be very concentrated. We don't think Kittle is going to play. He's a game-time decision. My guess is he doesn't play, and my guess is if he does play, he's not utilized. He's not on the field very much. Debo will be on the field a ton. Uh, let me just point out that the implied point total for the San Francisco 49ers is almost 25. So when you look at the overall total of 40, it doesn't look very good, but 24, I'm implying maybe 
three touchdowns, maybe through the air, maybe through the run. But good news, Debo does both of those. Last week, mm-hmm. he lined up in the slot. He lined up out wide. He lined up in the backfield. So we know that they trust him. Who does Kyle Shanahan trust near the goal line? Yes, he's going to use a lot of Jeff Wilson, but it's going to be a lot of Debo, and it's going to be a lot of those secondary running backs too, which gets to my, my second play. But I really like Debo as an anytime touchdown. I think he's either going to run it in or he's going to catch a short area pass, get a ton of yards after catch, or you know maybe near the goal line, catch a short area pass and get in the end zone. So anytime touchdown, minus. 103 that's at caesars but you can pretty much get at minus 103 minus 110 pretty much anywhere the other prop i have for this game is jeff wilson under 13 and a half rush attempts at minus 115 i really like this one for a lot of different reasons so for one you know jeff wilson is a good reliable running back kyle shanahan definitely trusts him he understands the system but at this point in his career he's near 27 years old He's just not a dynamic running back at all, but they have dynamic running backs in that running back room. As far as not being dynamic, 22 yards last week on nine rushes, 2.4 yards per carry. We know that Debo is going to take some carries from Jeff Wilson. That That's just a fact. So that helps taking the under here. But I also think Jordan Mason and Tyrion Davis-Price are also going to take carries away from Jeff Wilson. They're the more dynamic runners than Jeff Wilson. And I think at this point in week two, they are going to be featured, especially if the Niners grab a lead. I don't think they're going to be milking the clock with Jeff Wilson exclusively. I think it'll be a little Debo, a little Jordan Mason, and perhaps a little Tyrion Davis-Price. Let's not forget Jordan Mason, the undrafted free agent out of Georgia Tech, he actually had another year of eligibility. He came out. He has a lot to prove because he was undrafted, and he was the star of the preseason, literally the star of the preseason. PFF had him rated the best running back in this year's preseason. So I, I like uh, I like Jordan Mason a lot to steal some carries here, maybe some Ter- Tyrion Davis-Price. And, oh, by the way, Trey Lance is going to steal some carries too. So I think this under of 13.5 is a really solid play. Two questions from the chat. First one, Debo over 44 and a half receiving yards. See ya. Minus 115. I'm not a big fan of the receiving yard prop for Debo. I mean, I think he's probably going to get there, but I think he's going to be utilized so much in the backfield and the short area passing game that to get Mm -hmm. that number, uh, I think he's going to have to maybe break one uh, because I think Trey Lance is going to hit him within, I think his ADOT's going to be pretty short. Ayuk's maybe a little longer, but I think Debo's going to be in that short area. So I just would stay away from, from the receiving yard specifically for Debo. And the chat lit up when you mentioned Wilson. I know you don't like his rushing attempts, but his receiving yards, very, very low, over eight and a half. Well, um, maybe that should tell you something about his utilization in general. I think so, yeah. Um, Again, I just don't think he's very dynamic. He he might, he very well could eclipse that eight and a half, but... Typically, I think you're going to see Debo lining up in the back backfield and getting some of those receptions. That's my guess for this game. Alex, go. R- rushing back receiving props are kind of like eye candy. They're just very, uh, they, they're all obtainable numbers, and these guys can seemingly get them with one reception. But uh, they're often just highly, highly volatile, high-variance plays, in my opinion. They're very game sprick dependent, and uh, yeah, they just seem a lot better than they actually are. The one thing that I've learned from the cappers, and I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world. I get to be around these guys all the time. Don't bet on hope. Don't hope that it happens. Have some information. Have some reasons. Don't hope because hope is tough to sit through game after game after game. Now, Hey, Coach, can I just add one thing? Because I do think – I'm sorry. I do think it's important. So I should point out that the Seattle Rush D is, is not that bad. I mean, I think the, the common perception might be that's that's a terrible team. It's a terrible Rush D. They're not that bad. And pair that with the fact that Kyle Shanahan said this week, as it pertains to the running back room, he's going with the hot hand. So a guy who just averaged 2.4 yards per carry and who was the, le- the least dynamic <laughs> yeah. back in that running back room, he likely doesn't, quote, start out with the hot hand. You might get a shift to another running back. Uh, or more of Debo by the second quarter. And then, of course, that's going to implicate the rushing attempts. You don't hardly ever hear a head coach say that after week one. The hot hand? The hot hand in rain? All right, I'm writing down the questions. Writing down writing down the questions. Easy for me to say. I do this for a living. Uh, we're going to get to the speed round at the end. But speaking of hope, Alex, I'm coming to you. Because last week, I don't know that I've ever been more frustrated than I was watching uh, – Let's ride. Let's ride. And Russell Wilson and that Broncos, and maybe he shouldn't have been traveling to the U.S. Open and maybe spend a little more time on the offense, getting it off without delaying the game inside the 10. Actually 
having a four-minute, two-minute offense at the end of the game and not settle for a 64-yard field goal and then say it was the right play. Maybe still a little bitter. However, one of the guys we talked about on the show on Monday, Alex, we said, ah, and he got into the game, but not till the second half, and he got stuck on four, and the over was four and a half. Who am I talking about? You're talking about Cortland Sutton, who I like quite a bit, and I did recommend attacking his yards, not his receptions. Yep. But, yeah, I love Cortland Sutton. I can't believe we're getting this line at 54 and a half, which is why I'm taking a Cortland Sutton over 54 and a half receiving yards. He had a somewhat quiet week one performance. He still finished with four receptions for 72 receiving yards. He had a team-best 44 routes run on 45 of Russell Wilson's dropbacks, which is a very, very good sign. He also paced the Broncos in air yards with a couple deep targets, and he is Wilson's new version of DK Metcalf. He was second on the team with targets. He actually didn't see his first target until deep into the second quarter as well. Drew a big uh, defensive pass interference penalty on the game as well, so he made a big impact, made the most of those targets. We're getting an excellent matchup against the Texans, who gave up the six most yards Two opposing wide receivers last season. Houston also surrendered nine catches, 121 yards to Michael Pittman in week one. Pittman profiles very similar to Sutton. And if the Texans are able to push Denver a little bit and keep this game competitive, which I do think there's a chance of that happening, uh, this is a potential spike week for Cortland Sutton. He's in his second year removed from that ACL surgery. Just looks poised to be the focal point of this passing game. I also expect Russell Wilson to have more time to look downfield and allow those routes to develop for Cortland Sutton. They think this is just a potential breakout spot for him. Broncos have an implied uh, score of 27.5 points as well as significant home favorites. I just love everything about this. I'd play it up to 58.5, 59.5. Cortland Sutton's going to have a big game this week, Coach. This dude is something else. By the way, I'd love to take these two plays to uh, the uh, lightning round, but I feel like you really deserve for me to come to you, Alex. In the chat, two questions. <clears throat> over 36 and a half yards receiving, over three and a half catches with your favorite player from a year ago. Who am I talking about, Alex? I'm talking about Ooh. Pat Fryer. Let's go. I also appreciate so many people in so many different places always reach out to me and associate me with Pat Fryermuth. I get questioned about him so often, which I love. I love me some Pat Fryermuth. This is a tough matchup for Pat Fryermuth as well. Obviously had that great week one performance. I think he finished with four or five catches, 75 yards. I think he had more than five catches. But uh, yeah, made a big impact week one. This is against the Patriots, though. The Patriots are the number one defense at shutting down opposing tight ends. Saw that last season, carried over to this year. What did Mike Gusecki do? We faded him. Why did we fade him, coach? One catch, one reception, one yard for Mike Gusecki. I have a lot, I'm a lot more bullish on Pat Firebooth than I am Mike Gusecki because of his role in the Miami offense. However, I just think this is a very tough matchup. So, unfortunately, as much as I love Pat Firemuth and it is a somewhat lowish playable number, I am staying away because this is just a tough matchup for him. So uh, I'm actually leaning under, but it's a no play for me. Dave, what are your thoughts when you hear Pat Fryermuth? Do you associate him with with Alex? I think Alex almost called him Fat Fryermuth <laughs> just now, which amused the hell out of me. Uh, I, I don't know if I necessarily associate him with Proppy now. Oh, my God. Um, but I, I think I might have to. Might have to send a little DM action to <laughs> Little Geppetto over there. Little when Geppetto scores a touchdown. Oh my God! I guarantee you, there's a song somewhere, Sia, that has Little Geppetto talking about Firemuth. It's time to call him Prop Firemuth at this point. That's the new name. I like it. Oh, oh I love that. Prop I hate it when somebody. I hate it when somebody comes up with a nickname before I do and a really good line before I do. Like I pride myself on that. But I got a lot of respect for you, Sia. That was awesome. Ah, very, very good. All right, next game. Sia, I'm coming back to you. And then Dave's going to bring us home, and then we'll have the lightning round. All right, these are two teams that lost in week one. But the Raiders looked a lot better than the Cardinals did. I will say that. Uh, this spread is five and a half for Las Vegas. The over, uh, the total is 51 and a half. And you're going a little, maybe surprisingly for me anyway, you're going to a Cardinals player. Who do you like? 
Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I understand why it's surprising to you. The Cardinals looked just really pathetic last week. I think they kind of gave up. I think Kyler wanted to go home and play video games or something because I know that's <laughs> like sounds like I'm trying to crack a joke here, but like the second half, they were so listless. We've seen that from oh. Kyler before. I don't think we're going to see it from him this week, though, because I think this is going to be more of a competitive game, and I think Kyler is going to be full throttle for all four quarters. My pick here is Marquise Brown over 58 and a half receiving yards. There's a couple things working in his favor. One, just like I said about Kyle Shanahan, what he said about the hot hand thing, which I understand is just kind of a little piece of the puzzle. But Kyler Murray specifically said this week they need to get Marquise Brown the ball more. And it makes sense, right? He's clearly the best receiver on this team. Let's not forget, we've got Hop who is out. We've got A.J. Green at 34 years old. We've got Andy Isabella out. We have Antoine Wesley out. Everybody is out other than Marquise Brown, Zach Ertz, and let's see, Greg Dorch. And Greg Dorch is great. I actually looked for his reception prop. I couldn't find one. Maybe it'll come out later. Their next best receiver or the next receiver in line, so this would be their, their third receiver on the depth chart as of right now, is a guy named Andre Bocellia. Not to be confused with Andrea Bocelli, the actual singer. <laughs> like, this is a guy, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, this is a guy that nobody's ever heard of before. So my point in saying all this is that the targets in this 51.5 point total are going to be concentrated on the Arizona side to Greg Dorch, who out-targeted Marquise Brown somehow last week in that Kansas City game, and of course Marquise Brown. Zach Ertz is healthy, certainly he's going to get some targets. So I, I actually like Marquise Brown's um, catch prop. It's a little high, it's 5.5, but again, I think they're going to design plays specifically for him. I think it's going to be early in the game. They want to get his hands on the ball. They want to get him sort of moving along in the process of that game. But I like the 58 and a half because I know while he can be good in the short area, I know he's good with the long ball. This Raiders defense can get exposed. This 58 and a half could be accomplished in perhaps one, two or three catches, which is why I lean the receiving yards over as opposed to the reception over. Yeah, they've always, for some reason, been acceptable to the deep pass. I don't know what it is, but they just have. So somebody's got to catch balls for the Cardinals, right? Somebody mm -hmm, has right. to do it. Somebody has to do it. All right, Dave, you've been a very patient man. You've been a very patient man. However, the Bears, 1-0. Packers, 0-1. And, and they did not look good scoring all of seven points with the fighting Aaron Rodgers. But this is about Justin Fields. This is about the Bears getting it done and a very slow game, which I think plays into the game script of your two plays in this game. Talk to me. We've got a couple of unders on the running backs in this game. I'm going to start with Aaron Jones because I have more to say about the other running back that we'll talk about. But his total yard prop is under 91 and a half yards, plus 108 at Caesars. I'm not sure he's even going to play enough snaps to get the chance to run for 92-plus total yards in this game. He's been under this in five of his past seven games. Why the past seven games, you might ask? Well, late last year, he hurt his knee, and when he came back, the Packers made a very clear decision to use A.J. Dillon along with Aaron Jones. And so Aaron Jones' playing time was really decimated because A.J. Dillon was taking work away. There was a playoff game where he had a huge catch and run. That's how he got over. And then another game he had, he had 100 total yards. I, I think that there's a chance that he's going to continue to keep sharing in a major way and maybe even lose some valuable touches to A.J. Dillon. Dillon was the much better running back last week. He was certainly better for fantasy, scored a touchdown. And I just wonder just how much work will there be for Aaron Jones in this game? There's also the part of me that thinks that Aaron Rodgers wants to let everybody know that he hasn't fallen off yet. And he's getting his best receiver back in Alan Lazard. Side note, how pathetic is it that Alan Lazard is now Aaron Rodgers' best receiver? But I digress. <laughs> I think Rodgers wants to stick it to the Bears. I think the Bears' defense is very stick it toable, And you could see Aaron Jones get 70, 80 total yards. Fantasy managers watching this won't like me saying that. He's the number two running back in fantasy. And I think he goes under 91 and a half total yards, and you're getting the odds in your favor. I love that one. But let's talk about the other one. David Montgomery, under 46 and a half rush yards, minus 127. It is a sucker bet to take the over here because David Montgomery is not a fit for this offense. I'm going to read you some data. This is nerdy stuff. This is going to make Coach fall asleep. Not at all. The rush, yeah, yeah, well, the rush EPA. <laughs> Yeah, rush EPA is a stat that they use to give how many expected points per play uh, somebody has in a game. 
it basically means how good or how bad a player is. Running specific concepts of inside and outside zone. This is where the offensive line all blocks in the same direction, and it's on the running back to find a space to go through based on which type of play it's called. David Montgomery had a rush EPA of negative 0.55. That's terrible. Khalil Herbert, on the other hand, had a rush EPA of 0.46, positive. That's really good. And this Packers defense against rush EPA last week, or I'm sorry, against inside-outside zone last week, not really that great. Their rush success rate was 62.5%. A lot of other defenses did a much better job. And I think the Bears' new play caller, Luke Getze, understands what's going to work against this Packers defense because he coached against that defense in practice for years. He was with the Packers, now he's with the Bears. Herbert might be the better fit for this offense than David Montgomery. And so I think that Montgomery struggles to run the ball. He was terrible last week, and I think he could end up falling out of favor in Chicago. This is your alarm if you've got David Montgomery in fantasy. Time might be now to trade him before this game and get Khalil Herbert on your bench because he's going to be good. And David Montgomery, not even 50 rush yards, really? Really not going to get there this week. These are the types of numbers, Dave, that we can only get for three or four games, and then either the teams figure it out or the market figures it out. Quick chat question for you, Dave. Aaron Jones, his rush yard uh, number is 53 and a half minus 114. I saw that. So I stumbled on the under total yards number by first looking at the rushing yards number, and I kind of like the rushing number because it's so much lower than the total yards number. Mm -hmm. So I, I won't fault you for taking the over on just rush yards for him, but I can't say that I love it when I don't like the total yards under at 91 and a half. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's just a tough thing to know what this wide receiver core is gonna do after last week and after what Aaron Rodgers said in the preseason. We just don't know. We just don't know. Are, is he gonna throw a lot next week? Don't know. Don't know. But I know I don't think they're gonna have the ball a lot because Chicago's gonna try to slow the game down and make an ugly 16-13, something like that. So I love these two plays. All right, let's do a little lightning round. See how this works out. 15 to 20 seconds, please, on each call. All right? That's Alex, too long for a lightning round. <laughs> right, Just telling right. you. It's got to be four seconds. seconds. All right, let's go. Hey, I'll take four. Seconds. I'll take four. Uh, Corderell, but we already did we do Corderell Patterson? Yes. We did that, right? Yeah. We already did that. All right. Uh, Alex, Brees Hall, over two and a half catches. Uh, lean over. Michael Carter is going to be heavily involved as well. We saw back. Flacco target running backs a ton. I think he's going to have to again this week to sort of negate the Browns pass rush. So I'm leaning over there. I also like Michael Carter over two and a half receptions as well. Boom. You're not doing mine out. Very good. Uh, see, let me come to you. Najee Harris coming up back from injury. Uh, they're talking about his under 54 and a half minus 135. I'm assuming rushing yards. Yeah, I'm assuming that too. Uh, I, I kind of like the under there. It's such an unknown how they're going to use Najee Harris. That, that's a bet I typically want to stay away from. If the coaching staff is confident in him, then obviously they'll give him the full slate of carries. That, that's a tough one for me to assess. That The Kam juice is too high on that one, Coach. Yeah, it is. It's not worth Can't the squeeze, it. most definitely. Yeah. Uh, Kamara, Dave, over five and a half catches, minus 109. Ingram, uh, not really a factor. I'm not sure if Kamara's going to play. He hasn't practiced the last couple of days. He's questionable okay. for the game. And so if he's questionable, he might be on a snap count. If he plays, get that under in while you can. Okay. Did, did we say five and a half is his line for receptions? That's what, well, I'm just asking from the, from the chat. Is that, is that not right? No, I would love to play that. I haven't seen that. So. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Baker Mayfield. And under. I, know... <laughs> I just hear that name. I just knee jerk reaction. To that. <laughs> and, and it's word your, association. There, coach. there you go. There you go. So that's all we need. Play the under, play the under. And that's all the ones we had from the chat. Oh, oh no. Let me come to you. Uh, Dalvin cook, uh, Alex over two and a half catches minus one sixty. I don't like anything. at minus one sixty. Yeah, I certainly don't like it at minus 160. If you do, you have to have a significant, significant edge, which I don't think we have with Cook. I do think Alexander Madison is the preferred pass catching back. We're going to see Cook at the majority of the first and second down work in that offense. So, yeah, don't like it. Last one, see a Jay Williams in Denver. Now, all I can think about is him fumbling at the goal line to not well, cover the second half line. I, I, just, I had I that, I had that bet, too. I had the same bet. Just still driving me crazy. Uh, 20 and a half receiving yards minus 130. Yeah, I like that. Even, even if he does it, and with, that's with the qualifier that Alex gave about how kind of gimmicky those are. But um, 
he's not going to get the target share he did last week, but still, I think he could surpass that 20 and a half. I like the over there. Alex. Nathaniel Hackett actually came out after the game, I think yesterday, and said that uh, that was by design, Javante Williams being featured in the passing game, and he's going to assume that role as the season continues. So I do like Javante Williams to continue to handle a lot of the passing down work with Melvin Gordon being the preferred goal lineback. And our last one, and it just seems right, Alex, that we would go with Mike Gusecki. His number <laughs> is around 20 this week. Your thoughts? <laughs> very, very low number here. I talked about all offseason why it was one of my favorite futures bets to fade. Mike Gusecki went on and on about, obviously got off to a great start, one yard, one reception uh, in week one versus New England. Can't ask for a better start as far as futures are concerned. 20 yards is very low, though, so I'm leaning under but kind of staying away just because of uh, – how low that is. Is it is it 20 yards for the season or 20 yards? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might take I'll, the under on both. We got 625 all, on the season, Dave. That was one of my much? biggest plays. 625. Good. Great. They're giving money away on that one. Just giving money away. Just giving money under away. Under 56 and a half receptions and then under 625 yards. Two of my biggest season-long positions something, for futures. Yeah, something bad would have to happen to Tyreek Hill and maybe Jalen Waddle as well. For those to go over or oh, he gets traded it, and maybe even Durham a, Smith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, what a great show. Grab your paper, grab your pencil. Here is the recap. Courtesy of Jake, the snake on the ones and the twos. Look at that. Just glorious. Take that screenshot. If you don't have the numbers today, as soon as your book puts them out, bang those numbers. Do not wait. Carson Wentz over 238 and a half passing. Curtis Samuel over three and a half catches. Kareem Hunt. Over his combo prop, Zay Jones over three and a half catches. Cortland Sutton, love him over 54 and a half. Uh, Alex said he can't even believe that this number is where it is. Uncle Dave's on Marvin Jones, longest reception. Let's go under. David Montgomery, let's go under. Uh, Aaron Jones, let's go under. And then Chase Edmund, let's go over three and a half catches. And Chris Boswell, let's just kick those field goals all day long in the Steel City. And then see you in the shot. Four big plays. Ahmad, say Brown, over six and eight, one and a half receiving yards. Debo, anytime touchdown, minus 103. Love that. That might be my favorite play of the whole show. Then Jeff Wilson, not going to be a big factor. And Marquise Brown, catch something. Do something in Arizona. Stop embarrassing yourself. All right. <laughs> God, I love this hour so very much every single week. Remember, the Prop Shop, 3 p.m. Eastern, Twitter Spaces, Thursday. We're here every single Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern time with three of the best minds in all of football, and it's not close. So with that being said, there's only one thing left to do, and I believe you all know what that is. You've got your marching orders. Let's take all of these prop tickets to rate to the pay window. For my entire crew, love them all. Uncle Dick, prop stars, seeing the job, Jake the Snake on the ones and the twos. I am the coach. Do not forget, it doesn't matter the sport, the day, the time, we're here. We have not missed a day since December of 2020. Not one day, because we grind for you on the early edge. Good luck. <laughs>